Here we go. Let's pray and let's uh, look at Revelation 22. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are in your presence because we want to be transformed day by day to look more like you. And God, we open our eyes now to look at what you said, what you showed, what you spoke thousands of years ago that still speaks to our Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and forward. And so we're putting all other thoughts aside right now, Lord. And we're inviting you to take your truth and embed it not just in our brain, but in our soul, in the way we think and feel, and ultimately in the way we live. We want to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We want to learn to love our neighbor as ourselves, And we believe that these words from you are going to help us move in that direction. So guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. If you're here in the room, you have a community group discussion guide. We're in our spring session, and so you can interact with what's talked about today. If you're online, you just need to go to our website and download it. And even if it's just you and one other person, I think we learn the most when we talk about what we're hearing and not just monologues, right? And so, oh, as well, I completely forgot. Thank you. Look at this. If you're here in the building, you would see all these wonderful third through fifth graders going to their class. And let's just cheer them on as they go. We're not getting rid of you. You're just going to have a lot more fun. Sorry. It's just the truth. All right. Uh, third through fifth graders at 11 o'clock. Man, it's just wonderful when parents take charge and preachers forget. All right. Here, Revelation 22. How does the Bible end? How does it end? How does the whole story of God end? Revelation 22, I want to recap uh, what Steve talked about two weeks ago, and it starts in 22, verse 1, and then we'll really focus on verses 6 through 11. Let's just read them. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him, and they'll see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. All right, two weeks ago, Steve Marshman talked about this because this is the picture of a new heaven and a new earth. And you could just look at the podcast or go to our YouTube channel to get the full message on that. But it sets the stage for what's to come. What we're seeing is at the end of the Bible, what the Bible has been leaning towards, the life that is truly life that God wants us to live with him forever. And if you've ever wondered where's the world heading, this is where it's heading. There will be no more night because God's presence will brighten things. Is this metaphor, is this literal? Uh, who cares? What this is is a vision of being in the presence of God. And the line that should really strike you is we will see him uh, face to face, they will see his, God's face. So, so what does it look like in eternity? What's your house like? You know, is it a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms, a big, big table, lots and lots of food, big, big yard where we can play football 
It's my father's house. Like, I, whatever. Who cares about where you're going to live? You're going to see God fully. Man, if that doesn't wake you up, the end of the story is not like living in a galaxy close to God. It's there is like water and fruitfulness and shade and joy and food and God right there. This is the future for all of us who follow him. All right, that's really cool. So how do we take our step towards what God is already doing? Verse six, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sends his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. And then, then Jesus chimes in, verse seven. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. So John wants us to know as he's like wrapping up what, what is mysterious. We're getting to the end. We have this message on verses 6 through 11. Then we have another message on the rest of the text next week. And then Memorial Day weekend, we're going to look at one line in Revelation that is so glorious, it deserves its own week. We're just going to take one line and, and just pound it because it really summarizes everything that we've been studying for months. There are a lot of things I don't understand about about this book, and there's a lot of pictures and apocalyptic literature and vivid imagery and all that, but now it gets really crystal, crystal clear. What God is saying is trustworthy and true. So whether you left this study or are leaving this study with some of your questions unanswered, here's what you should focus on. It's trustworthy, it's true. It's trustworthy, it's true. And whatever God said is going to take place, here's what John sees. Let the people know, whether you believe it's going to happen, whether you know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen, you can count on whatever God says, he does. Whatever he starts, he finishes, and that includes his work in your life, and that's good news. And so Jesus chimes in as John's have this vision. Look, verse 7, I'm coming soon. And then he says, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy. What does it mean by coming soon? By the way, the way the Bible writers emphasize things is they don't have font because they were all writing on parchment. They have repetition. So whenever the authors repeat something a lot, that's not like meaningless. It's their highlighter pen. It's their way of like flashing lights. And at the end, you're gonna see it three times fast. I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon. Problem, like 2,000 years later, uh, whatever happened to soon? So what do we do with this? How do we understand soon? Well, I think what Jesus is saying is not what I think of soon, which I think of soon is like lunchtime is soon. Or, you know, uh, summer without school is soon. Uh, you know, what is God going to do in our country? Well, soon, next year, soon. But, but when you look at the whole Bible, this makes total sense. He makes people, Adam and Eve in the garden, cool day, beautiful. It's, it's blessing. And then very quickly, but how soon that happened, I have no idea. How long were Adam and Eve living with God, walking with God face to face? Was it a week? When did sin creep in? I, I, I don't know. I know it did. And then God promises immediately, 
I'm gonna send, it's Genesis 3.16, I'm gonna send one who's gonna crush the head of the serpent. First couple, I'm gonna fix this, I'm gonna redeem. Did it happen soon? <laughs> well, we just read the rest of the Bible. Do you know the Bible is filled with thousands of years of God working with people? So God's solution, he says, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, he's gonna send a savior, but it seems like it took him a long time. See, our soon is like, in our language, means immediate now. I think what Jesus is saying here is, I am coming next that soon. In other words, in this big thing that God is doing in the world, there's beauty, relationship with God, sin breaks it. God gives answers to how we remove sin. The ultimate answer is his own son, Jesus, Jesus dies, rises again, ascends into heaven, says, I'm coming next. What's the next thing that God's doing that's gonna fulfill his plan and his purposes on the earth? It's the return of Jesus. So when we think soon, you think God's delaying. No, his timetable's not mine, but there's nothing that needs to happen in order for Jesus to return. Everything he said, everything he did, it's all working, and now we're just awaiting the moment. Soon, he's coming next. Now, what does that mean for us like in the real world? Because Jesus' return, if you're, if you're wise, you're thinking, man, I shouldn't even bother thinking about it because like he hasn't done it for 2,000 years. What makes me think he's gonna happen right now? At least there's three implications. There are probably 3,000. I'm just gonna give you three um, when it comes to the return of Jesus. The first thing is we shouldn't be afraid of the Lord's return. We shouldn't be afraid of it. I was genuinely scared as a kid. A revelation spooked me, and whenever the church talked about it and talked about the return of Jesus, the big hook was, you don't want to be left behind. Like, there's a whole series of books and movies about it. Like, you want, so I, you know, I was in the room, I was, I was a kid, and I don't see my parents, I don't see my family, like, oh no, it happened! It happened, Jesus returned, and oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take the chocolate. You know, like, I, 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 I messed up and, and I wasn't clean. I, was, I wasn't wearing my white robe. I, I haven't left. I was scared that Jesus might come. Now, that had some positive implications. I repented a lot because I was like, man, I want to make sure I'm right. But I don't think Jesus saying I'm coming soon was meant to freak us out. How do I know that? Because his next word is blessed. I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one. i I'm coming to reward. Now, there is a rightful thought here that says the return of Jesus ought to be frightening. Yeah, if you're not following Jesus, it's meant as a warning. I'm coming, I'm coming next. And the, the real warning is to live apart from Jesus and to, to die apart from Jesus or to be alive at the return of Jesus and not be one of his followers. We just looked at it in the last few weeks. Final full judgment on everyone and God is the just judge, and he's not gonna slant things against you, he's just gonna show it for what it is. And if you haven't allowed the grace of Jesus to transform your life, if you haven't received his mercy and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, save me, then yeah, that is a frightening day, but if you're in him, you're not meant to be frightened. The return of Jesus is a happy day where we get to see him face to face. The second thing is, we shouldn't be obsessed by the return of Jesus. 
I think the challenge with the book of Revelation is in some circles, not all, it's become a bit of an obsession. The obsessive question is when? When is it going to happen? When? When? What are the signs of the times? When? Oh my gosh, this just happened. Is this mean this mean this mean this? And if two plus two and four and seven and 12, and next thing you know, I figured it out. I don't think that was God's intention when he revealed Jesus in this book. Why? Well, because then for 2,000 years, no one's getting the point of it. If it's all about just the end, it's not about when. The more important question, although that is a valid question, we do want to know, we want to be aware, but we're not supposed to be obsessed by it. Less about when and more about what. And in our study, you'll probably figure it out. We're almost done. We haven't spent any time talking about when because Jesus clearly defined it. No one knows the day and the hour. Jesus said, I don't even. It's sealed by the Father. So if Jesus said, he doesn't know while he was on the earth, then I, my guess is he wasn't looking for us to spend too much energy. It's a real question. It's not the most important question. What's the more, most important question? It's this third implication. We should live ready for the return of Jesus. The goal of Jesus saying, I'm coming back, is that we would actually want it and we would long for it, and we would live ready for it. And so really, we want to end over this week and the next few weeks thinking about how can we prepare ourselves for the return of Jesus, whether we go to him first or he comes and returns to us. Either way, I'm going to see Jesus sooner than later. So are you. What, what's the point? Well, I think the point is what Jesus said after I'm coming soon. Blessed. Um, when I think of the return of Jesus, and when you think of the return of Jesus, do me a favor. Think of blessing. Think of, the, 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 this is a day of blessing. And in the Revelation, seven times John gives us this blessing. Is that accidental? No, seven is the number of fullness completion. And so there are literally seven blessings that are hinted at all across this book. And what I want to do now is before we ask ourselves, what should I be doing to prepare myself for the return of Jesus? I want us to remember what it's going to look like. So seven blessings. You could take a photo or write these down or just read it and let it sink in. Revelation 1.3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Remember, Jesus is coming soon. The time is near. Don't, don't worry about the clock on when, but it's next because the next big thing that God is going to do is he's going to return and reclaim his planet and live with us and we're going to see him face to face. What's the blessing? You right now are experiencing the blessing. You're hearing it. You're reading it. You're thinking about it. Blessed are you who, who actually took the effort to read this book rather than skip it. Blessed are you who took the extra step and said, you know what, I'm going to listen to the podcast, A Revelation Conversation. I'm going I'm to look to unpack in my mind what I've just overlooked. Blessed are you when you sat through long messages about the beast. I mean, goodness gracious, what kind of church are we? Hurting people. Blessed, no, no, actually, blessed are you who hear and want more. And if, if that's been you at any point on the way, part of the blessing of Jesus' return is what it's doing to your mind and soul now. He's shaping you by his words. You're blessed. 
Revelation 14, 13 is the second one. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Holy Spirit. They will rest from their labor and their deeds will follow them. Blessed are you when you follow Jesus, no matter what life brings you. This is so good. This is, Jesus is coming soon, but you know what? There's blessing for you now and later. Now, uh, some of us haven't realized the impact of the last year in this world. There's a slingshot effect. It, it, you're gonna, you may feel it later. Some of you have suffered a lot in the last year. Others of you are like, I've been all right. But watch, one year from now, you suddenly feel the after effects, kind of like a car accident. Sometimes the pain's immediate, sometimes it's delayed. And this has been a earth-shaking year for humanity. And that's not an overstatement. And, and what, what we need to remember, blessed are you who are still following Jesus with all your unanswered questions. Blessed are you when you, when you, when you, got the words of Jesus out of your mouth or in your mind when you wanted to respond another way, you, you responded more like Jesus. Blessed are you who, here it talks about the loss of life. Uh, Open Doors, an organization out of the UK, they estimated that 3,000 people last year alone lost their lives because of their faith in Jesus that we know of, documented, lost their life. Their life was taken because of their stance. More troubling is they equate where Christians are and the openness to the gospel. Their estimation is probably low. 260 million Christians are at a high or extreme risk for persecution right now. 260 million brothers and sisters right now are living in spaces where they may not be persecuted today. It could come tomorrow. It may not be you, but it's there. And you know what Jesus says? Blessing. I know everyone, and even if your life is taken, you're gonna be with me. You're gonna rest from your labor, the hard work of following Jesus in difficult circumstances. It's gonna be worth it. And he says, your deeds are gonna follow you. Some of us think there's earth, and then there's afterlife, and who cares, because this doesn't mix with this. And we've seen in Revelation that's not true. What you do now in Jesus will go with you. What you've done that has not been like Jesus will be burned. It's gone. And some escape as though through the fire, which is a horrible way of saying some just make it, but don't have the blessing of the reward of following Jesus now. So there's payoff now for following Jesus. And for those who do it in the midst of trouble, Jesus says, I see it, which is good news. Uh, the next one, Revelation 16, 15, look, I come like a thief. It's not that Jesus is trying to steal your stuff. It's that he comes when you don't expect him. Blesses the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as to not go naked and be shamefully ex exposed. Blessed are you who take following Jesus seriously because Jesus gave these parables. It's just like the parables of Jesus. And he talked about people with lamps and some were wise and they made sure their lamps were filled with oil, their equivalent of their batteries. The batteries were charged so that in the middle of the night, if the master came home, their, their lamp would be lit. Some were not wise and, and they missed the return of their master. And so Jesus say, says, blessed are you who are leaning into Jesus now 
because you realize that his walk with you starts now and moves into your future. So you're, you're not just waiting to someday live with God, but now I'm going to do whatever I want because this is my party time. You know, just, just imagine if we saw human relationships that way. It's like, hey, I fall in love, you fall in love, and we're going to get married. Oh, that beautiful. I am, so married. So this doesn't work for me. But like, we're going to get married. And well, you know, let's get married a year from now. Great, great, great. And what would it be like if both of those people just said, well, I am just going to do whatever I want for a year because like I'm getting married a year from now and, and then I'll take this seriously. But I'm just going to be vile and disregard and disrespect this future person I'm going to live with. I'm going to do whatever I want. I think, you know, in a movie where you have a guy or a lady who lives wildly, we kind of celebrate that in our warped culture. In our souls, we're disgusted by it. We're offended by it. It's hurtful. But blessed are you when you don't treat Jesus that way. When you're like, I know we're going to be Adam, Eve, God, cool day, garden, beauty, like life. Because that's real, I'm not perfect, but I want to live that way. Jesus says, you're blessed. And you're, it's not going to be like you're naked and exposed. You're not going to be ashamed. The next one, Revelation 19.9. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these, these are the true words of God. Blessed is anyone who hears the good news and says, I believe that Jesus came and died and rose again to rescue me. And I've been invited to eat with God. It's a metaphor of this huge feast where everyone who said, yes, Jesus, I don't deserve it like we sang. I didn't earn it, but I received it. There's a blessing for everyone. So it's not just about good works. It's about receiving the grace of God. And Jesus says, there's a blessing for you. Revelation 26, blessed are the and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a, a thousand years. Blessed is everyone who received Jesus and, and didn't make it to the day where he returns. You know what Jesus says? If you go and this body dies, you are not in Never Never Land. You are with him and you'll never experience the long-term death. You, you walk into life. Now, what's it gonna be like? I have no idea. And in one sense, I don't care. The Bible doesn't give us the specifics about what happens between if I die in Jesus and the end of time, what is it like? All we know is we're with him, which is pretty rad, and the rest, I'm gonna leave up to him. Like, I don't... Are we working? What are we doing? We don't have a body because the Bible does tell us that before, uh, when Jesus returns, what's going to happen is those who died in him are going to be raised to newness of life. Their body's going to be reformed. Don't ask me how, but Jesus walked out of a tomb, so I'm not worried. And, and, and like Jesus was able to eat and drink, but Jesus physically ascended into God's space. So in the same way, we're going to be like him Blessed are you who take Jesus at his word and you're not gonna die again. Revelation 22, seven is like the sixth one. We just read it. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy written in this book. So, so blessed are those who, who hear. 
things that are true and live into it. Now, this isn't the guilt to say, if you haven't done all this, there is no blessing. I hope you realize there's so much where Jesus is saying, I want to give you my favor and love and goodness. I'm coming soon, blessed. And that's God's heart for you. That's six of the seven. There's one more next week that we'll look at. Blessed, 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 blessed. Now, I'll state the obvious. This doesn't mean your circumstances are always good. Does it mean your life is always filled with unending joy? Does it mean you don't go through hard times? Does it mean you don't suffer persecution? But Jesus is saying, look at the big picture. And despite all that's going on, I'm with you, you're with me, and I'm guaranteeing you life forever. And in that respect, you are blessed. Now, how do we live into it? Thankfully, I don't have to make it up. Uh, It's right here. Three things that John is told to do. And we're told to do as disciples to Jesus as well. Write them down. First thing is worship God alone. Look at verse eight. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and you're and with your fellow prophets and with all those who keep the words of the scroll. Worship God. Um, how do we live in light of the return of Jesus? Absolute allegiance to Jesus. It's interesting. I love this about the Bible. It never gives a false picture of what following Jesus is like. Just read the Gospels and look at the disciples. They were with the creator of the universe and they stumbled and fell all the time. This is good news. It's good news for me. It's good news for you. Because following Jesus does not mean a perfect performance. No, it means stumbling. And even John is getting like a revelation of Jesus. He's in the presence of the angels and he starts to bow down and worship at the wrong place. In other words, even John needs a reminder that there are some nuances, there are some changes, there's some adjustments that we need to make. And so worship God alone. What does that mean for us? It means God is so good, what he's going to do is he's gonna bring people and circumstances into your life to reshape you even if you don't think you need reshaping. So John, in the middle of getting this vision, needs to be reshaped. John, get up. Don't, I'm just, I'm with you. So, and it doesn't seem like he's doing this on purpose. It doesn't seem like John is like flagrantly going against. He's just off course. Do you know you can follow Jesus and be off course? Which requires humility. Which I think especially in this season we're realizing that sometimes my opinion about right and wrong is just that. It's my opinion. And sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. And here John is obviously wrong. So let me just ask you, what is distracting you from fully and passionately serving, worshiping, loving God alone? What is it? I pray for you like John received help from God that what you'll experience as the normal rhythm of your life are mid-course corrections. Sometimes it's not like a radical correction. You're like going sort of in the right direction, except one or two things. And God in his love, what he does is he brings people, he brings the Bible, he brings truth into your life. I just hope that as a result of reading Revelation together, we're open to input from God. And often input from God is from other people 
John receives a revelation from angels who are in the presence of God. So it's not, most of revelation is not Jesus directly downloading to John. Most of it is he's seeing other things and learning from it. And then Jesus jumps in on occasion and has a few words to speak. And so in the same way, I hope that you're open to receive from God through people in this church. I hope you're open to receive through people who love Jesus who are not a part of this family. Keep open. Second thing is we ought to share the good news. We need to worship God exclusively and not get distracted, but we also need to share the good news. Verse 10, then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of the scroll because, quote, the time is near. Next, Jesus is coming soon. When? I don't know. But that's the next big thing he's doing. And in light of it, it's a contrast. If you've ever read the book of Daniel, Daniel's a prophet 500 years before Jesus, and he receives a revelation just like John, except Jesus hadn't come yet. So, so he's told, Daniel, seal up the scroll. Seal the vision, for it concerns the distant future. So Daniel, the man of God, is told, don't tell everybody. Hold this up. It's too early. But now it's interesting. Because Jesus has come, what John is told is, don't seal the scroll. Let everybody know. Now's not the time to hold back. Now's the time to share. And so now is the time for us to be about what should we do in light of the coming of Jesus? We should ask God, keep me focused. The things that are distracting me, expose them. Lord, I don't want them. I want to go your way. And, and what most honors God? Talking about Jesus. And what I'm thrilled about is now that we're emerging out of this time of everyone staying in their own bubble and avoid humanity, we're, we're, you know, things are opening up slower than we want, but they are opening up. And you know what that means for us? More opportunities to connect to people about Jesus. It's not just about barbecues. It's not just about vacations, although I'm grateful for mine and I'm looking forward to it. It's not just about opening up new programs to make us feel better. It is about passionately sharing the good news with as many people as possible. And Mark, if this is your church, just know this. I am already lit up about this fall. I'm not going to do it in the summer because you're going to scatter. I know you're going to scatter because the weather's good. And last year you were told, stay home or we'll imprison you. Uh, but, but this summer, I think most of you are going to go. But when you come back, we've already planned a series that's going to relaunch the vision of how we emerge brighter now that we've gone through darkness, we're going to emerge brighter and we're going to be about building the kingdom of God, which is ultimately about telling people about Jesus. And I pray that we have more opportunities and I'm looking to take more risks and do more to tell more people this good news than ever before. And if you're into that, great. If you're not into it, I'm going to drag you. You have no choice. But this is what the return of Jesus is about. Until he comes back, his kids ought to be saying, you're invited. And even though we feel chicken most of the time, may the Spirit give us boldness as we get nearer and nearer to the day. Which really means, I don't know if I'm going to be alive when Jesus returns. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen 10,000 years from now. In one sense, I'm not concerned. My end is coming near. So, the implication is I have limited days, I have limited time, I have limited resources, but I want to make the most of them. And, and that's the call for us in Revelation, is let people know. Third thing, you could probably tell from the tone of my voice, live with passion. 
Verse 11, let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Huh? Did you read that? I want you to read that. Let the vile person continue to be vile. It's in the Bible. Let the one who does right continue to do right. Let the holy person continue to be holy. What does it mean by let the wrong? So is Jesus saying, hey, I'm vile. Good work. Keep it up. No, no, no. What he is saying is what's trustworthy and true. And you know what's trustworthy and true? People who are opposed to Jesus will continue to be opposed to Jesus. People who see Jesus as the king should continue to live holy and do what's right. Don't live in the middle, wishy-washy, one day on, one day off, one day in, one day out. Live with passion. And if you're going to follow Jesus, I pray that this next season of your life is filled with passionately following him, not ho-hum. May the Lord shake us out of our complacency. I, and I pray that we'll be the people like, man, I, not that I always do right, but I really want to. What's more dangerous is when we don't care. When we actually are unconcerned, it means we've been lulled to sleep and Jesus is saying, man, wake up. In other words, you and I all have choices to make. We have choices to make. And this is why as we're getting, we're not at the end end, that's two weeks from now. We'll look at more next week and we'll have a, a message on one line in the Bible that ought to make you smile when you go to bed at night. I'm just not gonna tell you what it is. But that's um, why the Bible's filled with this beautiful story of God at work that's now saying, yeah, as the day comes closer, it's time for you guys to decide. It's the, way, it's the way Revelation ends, it's the way the Bible ends. We have choices to make. And so what we want to do is respond now. Make, make a wise choice now. What's a wise choice? I have two for you this morning. One, receive. Some of you, for whatever reason, you believe, yes, God loves everyone, but me a little less. For whatever reason, it's, I'll give you a trick, it's a lie from the enemy. That somehow God loves you less. That somehow Jesus will not do what he's doing for everyone else in you. That for, for, because of something you did or you didn't do or this or that or the other, that you somehow, everyone else qualifies for grace, which by the way means favor you don't deserve, but for whatever reason you don't qualify for grace you don't deserve. And my word to you, from the Bible is receive. Blessed, 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 blessed are you because you're valuable to God and you matter to God and you're the reason that Jesus came and, and did what no one else could do. And um, what we want to do is receive it because Jesus is coming next. I don't want to wait till then. I want to receive everything he has for me now. And so the, the, the opportunity is to receive. So what we're going to do is we're going to enact that. Our worship team's going to come. And before we sing, we're going to take communion together because it is the sign of receiving. Uh, the disciples of Jesus, I'm going to ask you, even if you're at home, why don't you get out a piece of bread or a cracker and, and juice. And, and um, for those of us in the room, uh, this is our second or third week with fancy communion. So I'm going to, again, guide you. Don't open the cup part. Unless you've already done that, that's okay. Jesus still loves you. But um, go to the bread part up and just peel back the bread part. Because obviously if you do it in reverse, you're wet. Um, 
So just take out the bread. And you know what? The disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus said, pray this way. Father, not even God. Father in heaven, great is your name. No one like you. Your kingdom come, your will be done here as it is there. God, I want what you want. Give us today our bread for today. Isn't that great? God, in light of your coming, I, I want what you want, and what I want is whatever I need for today. So receive today grace, mercy, forgiveness, joy, love, peace. Whatever it is you need from God, you receive it. And what we want to do is we want to enact it by actually eating and saying, this is Jesus. Jesus, you came for me. I eat, I receive, I receive it from you. Not from a church or a person, from you. So I'm gonna invite you, if you're in the room, to stand to your feet if you would, and let's, um, let's receive, right? We have the bread in our hand, and so let's just enact. This is faith, right? I, is this gonna provide any nutrient to me? No, it's not big enough. It tastes way better than the previous ones, I'll confess. But, it, but it, what it is, is it's me enacting. I trust you, Jesus. You're my daily bread. I want all that you are and all that you have for me. So by faith, we receive this now into our bodies. And Jesus, we remember you. Amen. Let's eat, let's eat the bread together. Daily bread, whatever I need. I don't receive it from me. It's from Jesus. Okay, it's not amazing, but it is better than the previous um, communion. All right, turn it over to this side. And let's, um, let's open the cup. And um, when Jesus passed it around, he said, oh, this symbolizes the, the new agreement. Here's the new agreement. What they used to celebrate is an animal, spotless, standing in their place. And instead of you getting judged, the animal was judged. It was a picture. But the new agreement is now not in an animal. It's in God himself. So mind blow, God takes, absorbs our sin. He's sinless. And in Jesus, he takes all of our hell and says, no, I'm taking it away. And now the agreement is if we will accept and receive him, he will give us the life that we don't deserve. Man, that's amazing. So Jesus, we come to you and no one saves but you. So we await your return, but we receive Grace, mercy, forgiveness now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink together. I mentioned two. We receive. But you know what? Some of uh, us need to also repent. And so we're going to sing this song about the grace and the goodness of God. But you know what? When we encounter the grace and the presence of God, it ought to make us more aware of how ungodlike we are. And so in moments like this, all we do is we turn to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you know my heart. I turn from that, I turn to you. So repentance isn't a bad word. It's actually a beautiful word. And what Jesus wants for us now in light of his coming is to make small adjustments and turn to him. So if you're in a spot where you feel like you're far from God, you're actually not. But turn to him and receive grace and mercy in your time of need. Lord, we now want to respond with hearts that are filled with wonder 
and worship because there's no one like you. So as we turn our, even our voices to you in praise and in worship, Lord, you see our heart. You know our inner thoughts. And we want you to be pleased because our heart, honestly, is leaning into you. Now do the transforming work that we can't do in our own self. Change our habits, change our mindset. And we await your return, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hey, as we turn to worship, one of the expressions is giving. I want to say a huge thank you to you. So many of you are faithfully generous to God's work. Uh, if you're online watching, there's a button that just says on the upper right that you can click to give. And I encourage you to do that faithfully, regularly, generously. And if you're here in the building, you could do that. 85 or so percent of us in our church give digitally online or through automated giving. Although if you're here, there is a bowl on the way out. As you leave, you, you can leave it there. The Lord sees when we give in expectation of his return and saying, God, use this because other people ought to know you as well. So let's respond in singing and worship.